Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. This week we're looking at the political, economic and human consequences of the hurricane and floods that have devastated Houston, America's fourth largest city. Joining me on the line from Texas is our correspondent David Lynch, and on the line from New York is Greg Meyer, our US markets reporter. David joins us now on a mobile phone, so I apologise for the sound quality. Uh, and David, could you give us a sense of what the situation is like now on the ground? The hurricane hit over the weekend, it's now five days in, we're on the Thursday. Certainly, watching from a distance, it looks like things are not really stabilised yet, they're still getting worse. Is, is, is that how it feels? Well, it's it's uh, a little bit site-dependent. Part of the challenge of getting your arms around this flooding situation here is just how massive Houston is. Uh, it's, you know, uh, uh, probably 50 miles east to west and 50 miles north to south of an area that's dotted with uh, places that are submerged. And then a few blocks away, it's absolutely normal. It's a beautiful day here. You'd know nothing was or you wouldn't know anything was amiss so it really depends on where you are and where the situation is still quite dangerous and and could deteriorate is the areas around two local reservoirs that have now become uh, overtaxed and uh, authorities are beginning to release water deliberately from the reservoirs to avoid a worse situation and that release into an already waterlogged area is causing waters to rise uh, and thus threatening some folks that, uh, that thought they might have been through the worst. What's the extent of the human cost at the moment? I mean, we all have memories of the horrors of Hurricane Katrina, where, where I think thousands died. Here it seems to be a little bit better managed, but still widespread devastation. Yes, I think in some ways the Katrina lens is, is a bit misleading. Certainly, from from my sense of what I've seen in the past few days, I think the the response seems much better organized. I, I made it yesterday downtown to the George R. Brown Convention Center, which, uh, as of yesterday, was housing more than 10,000 evacuees. And if you recall from Katrina, the Superdome became a, a place of, of last resort, of last refuge for thousands of folks, and it was utter chaos. It was uh, you know, there were reports of violence, and it was just a, a, a horrifying scene. The George R. Brown Convention Center yesterday, I have to say, was remarkably well organized. There were cops everywhere. There were, you know, rows of, of chairs neatly arrayed. There were lines for things like aid from FEMA and to fill out various forms. Three enormous halls on one level with cots uh, arrayed uh, from the Red Cross in, in neat order. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, the folks who were there are traumatized and uh, not necessarily thrilled to be cooling their heels in a, in a shelter. But relative to the sort of scenes that we all have in mind from New Orleans, it, it was really uh, sort of surprisingly well managed. Do we yet have any idea how long it will take to get the city back together again? And 
presumably some people have, have just lost their homes. There's nothing to be done about it. Well, the short answer to your question is no. I, I don't think we, we have a good idea yet. I think nobody will really know until the waters recede uh, more completely. And in, in some areas, that's, that's starting to happen. I mean, the situation is changing hour by hour and day to day. Roads that were blocked uh, when I flew in Tuesday morning are now passable. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot. You, you, you take a route hoping to reach a destination. You find it's blocked, so you've got to reroute and go around it. And so a journey that should take 20 minutes takes an hour and a half. So it requires some patience and improvisation uh, for the folks who are, who are here struggling. But I have to say it's, it's, it's also pretty impressive to see all the volunteer efforts. You know, I'm, I'm standing at a local high school that's just been inundated with Everything you can think of. If you imagine if you were tossed out of your house on an instant, what would you need? Everything from socks and underwear to uh, shampoo and towels and, you know, toilet paper and you name it. And it's all arrived here in the local high school from volunteers to distribute to the folks who are in various shelters. So that, you know, that's maybe a, a small silver lining to come out of this tragedy. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of more general questions. Uh, how are people in the region feeling about Donald Trump's appearance in Texas? Did, did it go down well? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you from my interactions with folks on the ground here, you know, I, I, politics seems to be the last thing that, that most people are, are focused on, honestly. I mean, we in our business, we're, we're sort of focused on it 24-7. It's an occupational hazard. Uh, but I've, I've run into a, a number of people here who say, look, you know, we're not interested in talking about Republicans and Democrats today. We're, you know, we're, we're just trying to help people. We're pulling together. And, you know, journalists tend to be a jaundiced sort. And we, we cast a skeptical eye at, at comments like that. But that, you know, that's what I'm seeing on the ground. Folks at, at the moment uh, are focused on much more basic questions of, of survival and recovery and where are they going to live and what are they going to eat and, you know, how are they going to get through the next weeks and months? Um, and, uh, you know, Trump's visit was also well south of here uh, and well west of here, no doubt deliberately to avoid interfering with the ongoing search and rescue. So I, I think that's a question for another day. Yeah, very understandably so. OK, thank you very much to David Lynch in Houston. And now to assess the economic impacts of this, let's turn to Greg Meyer, our markets reporter in New York. Greg, this uh, hurricane, the flooding, uh, apparently wreaking havoc with the U.S. energy and chemical infrastructure. Just give us a sense of the damage. Sure. So Hurricane Harvey, now Tropical Depression Harvey, after almost a week, uh, made landfall on the Gulf of Mexico coast in Texas last weekend. That coast is really the heart of U.S. hydrocarbon infrastructure um, almost half of U.S. oil refining capacity is there. Gulf is full of offshore oil production platforms. Texas is the heart of the two biggest shale oil production regions, the Eagle Ford, which is closer to the Gulf Coast, and the Permian further inland. And as we've all been reading, you know, record amounts of rain were dumped uh, across the coast, you know, more than four feet in some cases. So we've now got about 15 to 20 percent of U.S. oil refining capacity knocked offline. As a result, that's that much less demand for crude and that much less petrol or gasoline, diesel, et cetera, being produced into the U.S. and world markets. And the gas supply to the east coast of America is threatened as well, is it not? It is, yes. So uh, the east coast cities, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., New York, um, are heavily reliant 
on fuel supplies coming from the Gulf Coast that's shipped through a couple of pipelines, but uh, mainly one called the Colonial Pipeline that originates in Houston. Uh, Colonial today uh, shut, shut off its two uh, principal lines for diesel, jet fuel, and gasoline for two reasons. One, because I think because its, its origin in Houston was underwater, and also because with all these refineries getting knocked out, it wasn't getting enough fuel to ship. So at some point, that will mean lower supplies heading from the Gulf Coast. And as a matter of fact, today, gasoline futures um, that are delivered in New York are, were surging. There seems to be a short squeeze with prices shooting up uh, above $2 a gallon. And is it actually going to affect supply in a way that kind of ordinary people w- will notice? It could. I mean, the question is how long it will last. You know, this comes against the backdrop of plentiful oil and gas supplies in the U.S. for sure, thanks to the shale drilling boom. And um, there's still, in terms of refined fuels like gasoline, there's been ample stock sitting around in tanks all summer. So we're not running out of fuel per se, but those stocks still only cover so many days of supply and you, you still need to get it from one place to another. So yeah, we could potentially see shortages in places like Atlanta that are heavily uh, dependent on shipments via the pipeline. And of course, America, you mentioned the shale revolution and so on, uh, is now a major energy exporter. So is this a global event? Yes, and, and I think that's one interesting, perhaps new dimension um, of this storm versus previous catastrophic hurricanes on the Gulf Coast, such as uh, Katrina and Rita. In 2005, the U.S. was the world's largest importer of refined petroleum products, and in 13 short years, we've become the world's largest exporter of uh, refined products, um, sending it all, all around Latin America, Mexico, Chile, Brazil, um, sending diesel to Europe. And so, yes, the ports are shut. Or, or have been shut, those exports have shut down, and we're seeing a scramble for cargoes of gasoline um, out of Europe. Uh, the FT reported today about, you know, it's sort of an armada of, of tankers being booked to move uh, petrol from Europe uh, to the Americas. And so is there going to be an effect on, on global market prices? Are we already seeing that? Yes, yes, we are. I mean, we're seeing uh, refining margins in Europe shoot up. Interestingly, in, in the crude oil market, U.S. crude oil prices have fallen fairly sharply, you know, understandably, because refiners are buying less, at least in the short term. Brent, the global benchmark based on production in the North Sea, has been relatively stable, partly for reasons of its own. But there's starting to be some speculation that with this dampened demand from you know, the biggest refining center in the world, that Brent could also start to come under pressure. So uh, interestingly, you know, potentially lower crude oil prices and higher product prices because we've got this huge bottleneck in the form of all these refinery shutdowns. And finally, Greg, I mean, how long do you expect these to, to last? I mean, or put it another way, if, if the, the weather does now ease off, how quickly is all this capacity going to come back? Well, that's the big question that everyone is is asking. And, you know, I think we, we really won't know until the waters recede and engineers and oil company people can survey the damage. A lot of these refineries made adjustments to their infrastructure after Katrina and Rita. They raised up control rooms. They raised equipment. Um, they built berms um, so that you know flooding would not do the kind of damage it did then. But uh, it's really too soon to say we could see some real volatility in, in prices in the week or weeks to come. Thank you very much indeed, Greg. And thanks also to David Lynch in Texas. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.